Luke chapter 16. I'm going to begin there in verse 19. Uh, the title of my message this morning is, If I Could Go Back. If I Could Go Back. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. And uh, we're going to look and see uh, what the Bible says about a place called hell this morning. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. If I Could Go Back. If I could go back, Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. Uh, I know that uh, this morning uh, there's probably lots of folks in here today that would probably have been thinking to themselves, you know what, if I could go back and maybe do this a little different, or if I can go back and maybe change a little something there, then that's exactly what I would do. And I would dare say this morning that there's probably a lot of folks uh, that are in hell today that, uh, that are probably thinking that one thing, if I could go back, and if they could think if I could go back, what would be that moment that they would say I would go back to? Uh, I definitely think it would be that moment that they knew that they had that offer of salvation and that instead of rejecting it and walking away, that they would have accepted it and took it. Uh, if I could go back, because I tell you what, uh, if uh, we ever could think about or imagine in our heart and our life a place that is, is the most terrible place that you could ever be, uh, it hasn't even entered into our mind to even be able to, to conceive, I think, the reality of how bad hell really is. Uh, now, we've all been burnt, you know, by something or whatever it was, maybe on the stove or in a fire but to some degree or whatever, but still, uh, uh, that is in no way, shape, or form even how we could even come close to comparing to what hell is going to be like or what it is even at this very moment uh, for a lot of people who are there today. And the Bible tells us uh, in the Scriptures, Lord Jesus said Himself, that there are more people that are dying and going to hell than they are dying and going to heaven. The Bible, Lord Jesus said, you know, Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many be that go in thereat. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be to find it. And so that by that very truth, we understand that, m- that uh, most people that die across the world today are dying lost and dying and going to hell. And as they do... Uh, what are some things that they're going to see? What are some things they're going to feel? What's going to happen to them? Uh, there's a lot of folks that, uh, that will believe that, well, you know, I believe that when you die, you just become a spook and you walk around and move chairs and things like that. Uh, well, I can tell you, there's no such thing as ghosts. Uh, there is a such thing as spirits, however. There is a demonic world. There is a spiritual world. But to say that a man has died or a woman, whoever... And it's now haunting a place as in their spirit that it's them. Uh, the Bible does not teach that. And so uh, besides that, if all we did when we died was to walk around and move tables and slam cabinets, that is such a boring life. And I tell you what, I've got a whole lot more to look forward to than to move chairs around and watch people run out of a house, though that may be funny. Uh, but anyways, uh, so when we die, we need to know that there is a place that we go. Uh, and when we die, you're either going to die at this moment, you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven, or you're going to die and you're going to go to a place called hell. And so we're going to look this morning about what the Bible says about that. Uh, here in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, as we look at this certain rich man and as we look at another man called Lazarus, the Bible has a lot to say about these two men and where they were at and the differences, that, uh, the, differences uh, the kind of life that they were living Now we understand today, of course, as we read through this, uh, that when a man dies today, now that the Lord Jesus has died on the cross, that uh, there's nobody in this place called paradise. That now everyone is, uh, captivity has been led, uh, those that were in captivity held captive have now been led 
out of paradise uh, up into heaven, which is where when people die today, which is where they go. But here at this point, the Lord Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, and so when people that were saved, when they died, uh, they went to a place called paradise. And so that's what we see right here. Uh, And as we look into it, I want you to understand this morning how important it is that you know without a shadow of doubt that you're saved and on your way to heaven. Because there's a lot of people this morning that are wishing that they could go back. There's a lot of people this morning that are wishing, you know what, if I had that one chance... If I had that one more opportunity to hear what uh, to hear the gospel and have an opportunity to get saved, I, I, I would definitely get saved because there's no atheist in hell this morning uh, because everyone in hell is a believer. They just became believers too late. And now there's nothing that they can do about the situation that they're in. So, but you this morning, you have an opportunity. And you have an opportunity today to do something about uh, the situation you're in. If you're lost, you have an opportunity to get saved. And I think there's many people that are in hell today that probably heard a message on hell, read about it, or whatever, and completely uh, bypassed it, didn't want nothing to do with it, rejected it, walked away from it, and then ended up dying lost. And when they died lost, the reality of not just the things that they heard preached about uh, became a reality in their spiritual life. They were no longer just hearing about the things, that what hell's all about, but they are now enduring what hell's all about. Now, I didn't say that they were, uh, and I said enduring for a reason because that's what it is. They're, they are enduring this, uh, this, uh, this place of hell, and in their heart it is a state of hell because of where they're at. And our minds cannot even begin to even conceive how bad hell is. And that's why the Bible tells us that God never created hell for for people. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. However, people go there whenever they die lost, when they reject the gospel, they turn from Christ and want nothing to do with him when they have that opportunity for salvation and they die lost without Jesus. And the Bible says when they do this is where they go. Uh, And so let's take a look at it here this morning and let's see what the Bible says about this place called hell and I've entitled this message, If I Could Go Back. There in verse 19, the Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day. And as we look there in verse 19, the very first truth is I want you to see is I want us to see the obedience of the rich man. You say, what do you mean the obedience of the rich man? Well, we learn in verse 19... Really, and, and in the verses following, that, that the rich man really wasn't interested in the things of God. He wasn't interested in the fact that the Lord Jesus had died for him or was going to die for him. He wasn't interested at this point uh, in the fact that there was going to be a, a, a perfect lamb that was going to come one day, the Son of God that would die for the sins of the world. He wasn't interested in hearing about all that stuff. He was interested in living his own life. He was interested in doing his own thing. He, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't interested in eternity, it seems. Uh, I think we all should be eternity-minded uh, eternity because if uh, we're, that's a place that we're going to spend all of eternity, we definitely want to make sure that we got that on the forefront of our mind that we know without a shadow of doubt where we're going to go when we leave this world because you are going to go to a certain place when you leave this world. And it's either when you die, you're either going to die and go to a devil's hell or you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven and you're going to be with the Lord Jesus. And so you need to know without a shadow of a doubt, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking if there is any inkling whatsoever in your heart and in your life that you're not sure if you're saved or you know that you're not saved, then you need to make sure you get that right. You need to make sure you get that settled. You say, well, you know, I thought I got saved many years ago, but I'm not sure. Listen, 
Even if you ask Jesus to save you again, it ain't going to hurt you. Amen. If you ask Jesus to save you, and if you have some doubts, and you run through the process again, it's not like it's going to hurt you. It's not like you're going to be slapped on the wrist. It's not like the Lord Jesus is going to think anything any different of you. Listen, the Lord Jesus would rather you uh, die and go to heaven than die lost on your assumption that I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. And so you want to make sure that you know that it's shouted out that you're saved. And here in verse 19, we see a rich man, a man that was uh, a man that was not concerned with. Uh, with, uh, with living for the Lord, not concerned with, with uh, any of these things. He was concerned about his own self. He was concerned about his own life. And the Bible shows us there in verse 19, clothed in purple, fine linen, fair sumps, we say every day. And so we see that, what, what was it, that, what was, it that, that was his God? His God was himself. His God was the world. That's what his God was. It had nothing to do with the Lord, nothing to do with salvation. He was a man that, Obviously, probably never really thought about eternity and where he was going to go. He was a man that just lived for the day. You ever had somebody say, "Well, you know what? I, I, I'm not worried about. Uh, I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about 50 years down the road. Man, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna live for the moment. I'm gonna live right now. I'm gonna enjoy the day." Well, listen. To some degree, I believe that. I think we ought to. But I think we ought to do it. Uh, but I think we ought to do that with the understanding that eternity is coming, and I better be prepared and ready for it. Amen. I think it would be foolish for us to say, well, you know, I'm not going to prepare for eternity. I'm just going to live for today. Now, listen, you know, you can do both. I can live. I can enjoy the day today and prepare for eternity. You know that? I can do that, and you can do that too. So don't, don't live under the assumption, well, I'm not going to worry about death. You know, I'm, I'm young. We know that death is no respect to persons. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, a little baby can die, and someone that uh, can live up to be 110, 20 years old, they can die. And, and everybody in between. Death is no respect to persons. We have no idea when that day is going to come. The Bible says your life is a vapor, appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. And so every single day could be our last and we need to live it like it's our last but as we live it like it's our last we also know that we're prepared for eternity and you need to make sure that you have that and that that is ever present in your mind but this guy right here it doesn't seem like he really cared about any of that stuff I mean he was just enjoying the life to the fullest everything that he can get out of it today he didn't prepare his uh, he didn't prepare himself for uh, uh, for eternity that was coming and so I'm just wanting to make sure this morning that you know that your heart is prepared, that you know that you're ready, that when that day happens, that when that day comes, because unless the Lord Jesus comes back in the rapture, all of us have an appointment with death, and because all of us have an appointment with death at some point in our life, we need to make sure that we are ready when that moment comes, because there is nothing, there, there, is, there, is, there is perhaps nothing greater than knowing that the people that you love and care so much about, that on the day when that, that, when, that you find out that they passed away, or that you see that it's coming and you prepare for it and they pass away but whatever that whatever happens that you know that they settled everything with the Lord and that they're in heaven because you know that you're going to see them again and there's perhaps nothing greater than that than to know that you're that the folks that you love and the folks that you care about that they are okay and that you're going to see them again but this guy the Bible says there, it shows us there in verse 19 that he really carried, he really cared nothing about anything else. The Bible says he'd done these things every day. He was just a worldly type person and he'd done this every day. This is what consumed his life. It wasn't nothing about God, nothing about, uh, nothing about living right. It was just all about him. And as he continued to live this life, the Bible goes on to say there in verse 20, the Bible says there was a certain 
A beggar named Lazarus was laid at his gate full of sores. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, wherever the dogs came and licked his sores. And here we see, here we see that it seems that the dogs have more compassion on the, on the beggar than the, than the rich man did. And so we see that, uh, we see that this guy, the guy who, whose name's Lazarus, as he's laying there, He's laying there at the rich man's gate, and I'm sure he probably sees him come in all the time and just really, in essence, begging from the crumbs that fall from the master's table, just like a dog, but the dogs had more compassion. The dogs cared more about him than this guy did. I mean, this guy was so self-absorbed. He was so wrapped up in his own self that he couldn't, he couldn't see beyond his own self. You ever met people like that? They are so wrapped up in themselves that they can't see, but they can even see beyond themselves, it seemed like. There is, there, there is so much uh, that, that, that they are living for in their own life. I mean, just so self-absorbed and just so selfish that they really have no care any, any, or anything whatsoever about anything or anybody else. And Lazarus, here he was, laying at the gate of the rich man, and the Bible says he was full of sores, and the dogs would come, and they would lick his sores. And what did he desire? He just desired to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the man's table. But we see here that the dogs had more compassion, so it sounds like obviously that never happened. He didn't even receive that. But then there came a day there in verse 22 that those, uh, those words right there, and it came to pass, those four words, because you see there's going to come a time where it's going to uh, come to pass for us. And the Bible shows us it came to pass uh, there in verse 22 that the beggar died. And there's going to come a time, unless the Lord Jesus comes back, that uh, there's going to come this time when it's going to come to pass for us. And when that moment, as it comes to pass, we need to make sure that we know where we're going. Because listen, the Bible shows us right here, notice what happened. The Bible says, It came to pass that the beggar died was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. Talking about, uh, talking about paradise there, that place that was across there in the center of the earth, that place that was across from, uh, uh, from where hell is today. And so as he was there, the Bible says that the beggar was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, carried by the angels into this place called paradise. What did, uh, what did Lord Jesus tell the thief on the cross? He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And this is where they were. This is what he was talking about, what the Lord Jesus was talking about. And so here we see the beggar. He is here in Abraham's bosom. He is over here in, uh, in, in this realm of paradise. And as he is there, the Bible says that he was carried by the angels. Now, isn't that something? That he had a heavenly escort. Isn't that great? You know, I've, uh, I've been by the bedsides of lots of folks when they were making their journey uh, into heaven. And, uh, uh, and, and, and other folks who have told me just stories about other people of God as they were uh, entering uh, or on their way and entering into the gates of heaven uh, about how uh, it seemed like that at that moment that their eyes almost lit up and almost like they, could, almost like they were seeing a glimpse of heaven before they even got there. Almost like the, the, the Lord Jesus, that he, he was calling them and they were on their way home. And as they were, as they were getting ready to make that transition, as, as like their eyes just lit up and a smile came across their face because they were able to see who knows whatever God allowed them to see right as they were making that transition, I don't know. But whatever it was, it was good enough for, that, it was good enough for those people to have a smile on their face. I tell you what. I'm looking, forward, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. I'm looking forward to seeing what it's all about. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's got prepared for me. I guarantee you. Listen, there ain't going to be people in heaven with frowns on their face. So if, you want, if you're somebody that don't like to laugh and you don't like to have a good time and, and you don't like to enjoy yourself and, and you don't like to smile, heaven's not the place for you. 
because you're not going to like it. But I tell you what, one place you'd make sure you don't want to go is you don't want to die and go to hell. So if you don't like to smile and you don't like to have a good time, start learning how to because you're going to do it for all eternity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Bible shows us right here. The Bible says it came to pass the beggar died was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. I think I told you one time, I remember I was standing at the bedside of a man that was, uh, that was passing away. And he was, still, he was still coherent to some degree. He could still talk some. And I was standing there at the end of his bed. And, and as I was standing there, he looked up. And, and they said, the preacher's here. And as he looked up at me uh, from, from afar, from across the room, as I was standing there, uh, he, he looked at me. He acknowledged who I was. But he said, who are those two men standing beside the preacher? And as I stood there, I just thought maybe someone was there. And I looked around myself and I saw no one. I was standing there by myself. And they, the family said, who are you talking about? And he said, those two men that are standing over beside the preacher, who are they? And then no ever mentioned, nothing ever was ever mentioned about it. He said, what do you think they were? Hey, how am I to say that they're not angels that was there ready to carry him into heaven? You know? Uh, but I tell you what, it sure did make me feel better whenever I left that night knowing that I had two angels that were maybe following me around. I really appreciated that. They got a lot of work on their hands, that's for sure. I get every day they're saying, Lord, do we have to watch over him again? I mean, come on. But here we see, there in verse 22, the Bible says, It came to pass the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. Which goes to show us there too, that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter your class in society, it doesn't matter your position that you have, it doesn't matter the kind of wealth that you have, none of that makes any difference because when you die, which is going to happen to every single one of us, Everything that we accumulated in our life is going to mean nothing. It's not going to amount to a hill of beans. All that's going to matter is eternity. That's all that's going to matter. And that's why the Lord Jesus says, Lay, yourself, lay for yourselves up your, your treasures in heaven. Uh, set your affections on things that are above, where moth doesn't corrupt, nor thieves come in and break in and steal. And so we see here, it doesn't matter who you are. Death is going to come to every single one of us. And the Bible says there in verse 22 that not only did the beggar die, but the Bible says that the rich man also died and was buried. Didn't say nothing about the angels carrying him anywhere. Didn't say, uh, didn't even, uh, it didn't even say uh, nothing about really uh, anything that really happened to him other than the fact that he just died. But the beggar, when he died, he was carried by angels. And the Bible says that he went to Abraham's bosom. I can only imagine the kind of trip that was. It probably happened just like that. But I guarantee you it was amazing. But when we see that the rich man also died, the Bible said he was buried. doesn't say where the beggar was buried. Nobody probably cared about him. They probably just threw him off the cliff over there in Jerusalem. Probably just threw him over the wall there in the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is where they threw all the other beggar bodies, which is where they dumped all their trash and there was always a fire brewing down there and there was always uh, rotten stuff down there. They threw dead animals over there when, uh, when uh, people that were poor and they couldn't afford the burials uh, or, or when travelers would come through the city, uh, nobody knew who they were and they died in the city. Did they have a funeral for them? No, they didn't. They took them and they threw them off the, the ledge over there uh, in, in the valley of Son of Hinnom. That's why the Lord Jesus said he characterized that place, the valley of Son of Hinnom, as a place where the worm dieth not, where the fire is always burning because trash was burning there and bodies were burned, burning there. It was a disgusting place. It was a place where, it was a place where nobody 
nobody wanted to venture, a place where nobody wanted to go. It was a place of filth and, 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 and just a nasty place. And those are what, so just some of the things that the Lord Jesus characterized hell by. And he preached more on hell than he did heaven. And the Bible shows us uh, in many texts that the hell was, of course, not created for God's people. Uh, it was created for the devil and his angels. The Bible says that hell is a, a place is a lake of fire, a place that is described as a bottomless pit, a place of eternal judgment, a place of darkness, a place where there is no rest, a place of begging, a place of, uh, uh, of desire where people die and they die with the desires that they have in this life and they still continue to have them as they're in hell for all eternity and it never fades and, and it never goes away. How terrible a place like that must be. And the Bible says there in verse 23 that in hell he lift up his eyes. So we see in verse 22, the rich man died. He was buried. And the Bible says in verse 23 that in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment. So we see that it didn't take very long for hell to have its effect. I mean, as soon as he lifted up his spiritual eyes in hell, we see uh, that the Bible says that he was immediately in torment. It wasn't like he had to, it wasn't like there was some waiting period. It wasn't like, well, you know, am I just going to kind of walk around down here and see how everything is and maybe I can avoid the flames for, you know, somehow or another. Uh, no, it was the Bible says that he when, he, when he lifted up his spiritual eyes, that immediately he was in a place of torment. And now when you're thinking about torment, I mean, this was, I mean, we're not talking about just feeling a little bit of pain. I mean, we're talking about a place that is tormentful uh, to the very spirit. I mean, we're talking about a, a place of fire that is that is all over you that cannot be put out in you outside of you. I mean you were in this eternal flame and there is no way to escape. Can anybody even begin to imagine what that's like uh, to deal with that for all eternity? How terrible that must be. And sad to say that right now this very moment right up underneath your feet there are people that are enduring that at this very minute. The Bible says there in verse 23 that in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment. How much more torment it may have been for him to be in torment there in this place of hell and looking across over there in Abraham's bosom over there in paradise and seeing all those folks over there. How terrible it must have been to, to be in this place of torment, to be in this flame and burning up and to be able to see. So what does that tell us? Well, that definitely shows us that in hell we can definitely see. In hell we can definitely hear. In hell we can definitely think. In hell we can definitely feel. So some people say, well, I'll just go to, when, when you go to hell, you just burn up and that's it. That's a lot of what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. Just go there and burn up and it's all over. Many of them, they, some of them, uh, some other religions, don't, don't, they don't believe in it at all. And then we see here in verse 23, the Bible says he lift up his eyes being in torment, which shows you that he was actually in torment before his eyes even opened. Before his eye, He lift up his eyes being in torment. I mean, before he even opened up his spiritual eyes, he was already feeling the pain. And so that shows you just how immediate it was. The Bible didn't say that he died and just walked around in a house somewhere, the Bible, because he had unfinished business. Listen, everybody that dies has unfinished business. Right? Everybody that dies has unfinished business. Everybody that dies has something that they wanted to do or something that they want to accomplish that they never did. And to make that assumption that, or to feel like that we just think that we just walk around on this earth 
and that we can escape hell for some reason. That's ludicrous. I think that's definitely a, I think that is uh, definitely a doctrine that the devil would love for people to consume. Is to think that there's no need to get saved because I can avoid hell. And I can just walk around here on earth and avoid it altogether. You know, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that some of these folks that believe some of this stuff, they have these, these spirits. They think that so-and-so is walking around on the earth and then they're doing all these different things, haunting this house or whatever. All you got to do is just lead them to the light. All you got to do is just get them to the right place. You know, just lead them to the light and call in all the mediums and call in uh, all the witch doctors and do all these things to lead them to Jesus. How ridiculous. The devil would love nothing more than for God's people to consume that by the spoonful. Well, I don't. The Bible doesn't show us anything like that here. The Bible says when both of them died, whether saved or lost, they was in another place and they were not here. And the Bible says in verse 23 that in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And the Bible says in verse 24, we see that hell is a place of crying because he said, the Bible says, and he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. And so we see that he was on fire, burning on the inside, burning on the outside, consumed in this flame. It was a torment. He was crying out, begging for mercy. And that mercy was never going to come. The grace was never going to come. The cool water that he wanted dipped onto his tongue was never going to come. And for all eternity, this man that rejected Jesus, who turned away from Christ, who turned away from, uh, turned away from the Son of God that would come and, and cleanse the world of all its sin, is now in his eternal abode. Until the great white throne judgment. Let me rephrase that. He's in, he's in this hell until he gets judged at the great white throne judgment, which then the Bible says, hell is cast into the lake of fire. But he is here for the moment. When everyone dies right now, if they die lost and they go to hell, they go to this place. But one of these days, the Bible says when it's all over and we get done to the end of everything, the Bible says he's going to summon up death. and He's going to summon up hell. And all those that are in hell are going to stand before God. They're going to be judged for all their sins. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. The Bible shows us right here in verse 23, And hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So we see that hell is a place of thirst. Hell is a place where folks that are, that are, uh, that are on fire and they, they, they desire for there to be water. They desire for their pain and their sorrow and their misery to end. But it is everlasting and it will never stop. And I imagine for a moment if this rich man could say, if I could go back, if I could go back. 
Imagine for a moment this rich man, he's uh, saying in his heart and his life, if I could go back, if I could go back to that moment where I was in that service, if I could go back to that when the preacher was preaching on it and, and God saved, or if I can go back to that moment when, when the offer of salvation was given to me by my Sunday school teacher, or if I can go back to when my friend was talking to me about the Lord at work or on a park bench somewhere, if I can go back to that moment when the Lord Jesus was presented to me by whoever, wherever, I'd do it. I guarantee you. Every single one of them would. Because there's nobody in hell today that has a desire to be there. Nobody. I know folks talk a big talk and think they like to walk a big walk and make everybody look at them and think there's something and I ain't worried about nothing and I'm tough. Well, if that's the way you want to live your life, you'll find out how tough you are and you'll find out how big you are and you'll find out really when you get there, how you're none of those things that you thought you were. You're none of those things that you thought you were. The Bible shows us in, there in verse 24 that he was crying and desired for, his, uh, for Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and to cool his tongue because he was tormented in this flame. There is no place of rest. I mean, every day, all day, here he is consumed in this everlasting fire. There was no rest. There was no relaxation whatsoever. It was constant. Day in and day out, all day, every day, every second. But Abraham, so we see the obedience of, in verses 19 to 22 of the rich man, his obedience to himself his obedience to his false gods that he built up in the world, his obedience to the world. Verses 23 to 26, we see uh, the rich man's outcome. It was the rich man's obedience. In verse 23 to 26, we see the rich man's outcome. And his outcome was the result of who he was obedient to. His outcome was the result of who he was obedient to. And so now here we find him in verses 23 to 26 in this place that is terrible. And the Bible says in verse 25, But Abraham said, Son... Remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf is fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And so God had it fixed. There was no possible way of escape. And God had this thing fixed that when that, when, that when, when that day come, that whenever you was to expire and leave this world, God had it fixed that that was the last opportunity that you would have to do anything about the situation that you was here. That's it. Because when you die, I don't mean die and be resuscitated and come back. I mean when you're dead. When you're dead and you're gone, completely gone, there is no other chance. It's over. And there are tons, millions, I perhaps millions of people, maybe even more than that, over since the, since the earth has been founded and created and all the people that have been born. And I have no idea what that number is. But millions upon millions, perhaps who knows, maybe billions of people who are died lost 
and are in hell this morning wishing that they can come back and have the opportunity that you had today. And every one of them, every one of them would say, I wished I could go back. I wished I could go back. And this whole idea, well, I would rather, I'd rather rule in hell than be a servant in heaven. That's ridiculous. You ain't going to rule nothing. You're not going to rule in hell. You're not going to reign in hell. You're not going to do any of those things. I don't care what any worldly song says. I don't care what, I, I, I don't care what, uh, uh, what uh, any other religion comes out to say that says well, that hell's either not there. Hey, the Pope's getting rid of it or has got rid of it anyway. So. What foul doctrine that comes out that's preached across America's pulpits that say that hell doesn't exist or it's not that bad or you can get out of it. No, there's no escape. There's no way out. And right now, this morning, is your opportunity to make sure that you got all that settled. Because you have no idea what can happen to you at this very moment, even sitting in that pew. You walk out the door, get in your car, you might not even make it, you might even hardly even make it out the highway. And the Bible says there in verse 26, he says, Besides all this is a great gulf, and he said, It's fixed so that they which would pass from this to you cannot, neither than that can they pass to us from thence. So what did the man do in verse 27? The Bible says that he said, I pray thee. He prayed while he was in hell. You know, there's people praying in hell this morning. There's people praying in hell. You say, what are they praying for? Well, they're probably praying for relief. They're probably praying that God would extend mercy, that God would extend grace, that God would extend his love. They're probably apologizing and saying, God, I'm sorry. But it's too late now. It's too late. And there's nothing that they can do about it and there's nothing that God's going to do about it because it's forever settled in His Word. The Bible shows, shows this right here in verse 27. He says, he says, Then He said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would, I pray thee, uh, thee therefore, uh, Father, that thou would send him to my Father's house. And that shows His consciousness there as He's in hell. He has a consciousness of where he used to live. He has a consciousness of his family that is still here on earth. You say, you mean people die lost, they go to hell, they have a consciousness of where they used to live? Yeah, that's exactly right. This guy, this guy that's in hell this, uh, this morning, he remembers where he used to live. He remembers his relatives. He says, send somebody back to my father's house. In the next text, he shows a send him to my father's house and, 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 and send somebody to tell my brothers about this place. He remembered his whole family. He had the same conscience. He had the same consciousness in hell that he did when he was here on earth. How terrible that must be to know that you're going to be eternally separated from all those folks that you love and care about. And the Bible says... There in verse 27, he says, Father, thou wouldest send him to my father's house. In verse 28, I have five brethren that he may testify unto them. These also come into this place of torment. He wanted, wanted to send Lazarus. Send somebody to tell my family about this place called hell. I wonder how many people are in hell this morning saying, I hope they find out about Jesus.
I hope they find out about Jesus. I hope they find out about Jesus because I don't want them to come here. This place is too horrid. This place is, is torment. I in no way want anybody that I love to come to a place like this. I wonder. If you're here lost this morning, I wonder how many people, even relatives that we may have that died lost, are in hell today saying, I hope he don't come here that are praying for you. How many people are in hell this morning praying for you, saying, I hope he don't come here. I hope she don't come here. I hope they don't come here. Isn't that a sobering thought? But all their life, they lived this life of could care less about getting saved, could care less about going to heaven, could care less about what's going to happen in eternity. And in hell this morning, there's lost relatives praying that the people that they love won't end up where they are. The Bible shows us that he became a man of prayer there in hell. And he says, I have five brethren. I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, that he may let them know that he will preach to them and tell them, lest they also come to this place to torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. You say, well, how are they going to hear Moses and the prophets? I mean, the Moses and the prophets are dead. How's, the, how's my relatives going to hear about Moses and the prophets? I mean, the Moses is dead. The prophets are gone. How are they going to hear about them? That's what we call the Bible. That's what we call the Word of God. Have I talked to Moses physically? No. But he wrote the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. Have I talked to any of the prophets? No. But they sure did write a whole bunch of these books here in the Old Testament that speak on so many tremendous things which shows us, which shows us, mind you, that the Lord Jesus can use the Old Testament, teaches in the Old Testament how you can believe the things that were written in the Old Testament and go to heaven. Because all those people that died back then before this was complete, all those people that died back then before Jesus died on the cross, well, who did they believe in? They believed in, they believed in what Jesus, the coming sacrifice, was going to do. And we look back at what he's already done. And so the Lord Jesus said, listen, if they don't want to die and go to hell, what do they have? They have Moses and the prophets. They testified of me. Isn't that what he, he told the disciples on the... On those guys on the Emmaus Road after his resurrection, he started from the very beginning. Let me tell you something this morning. The Bible shows us right here there's a consciousness in hell. The same consciousness that you have right now. For some reason, we have this idea that we think it's going to be different, that we think it's going to be warped, and you know we're not going to be able to necessarily think or, or, or feel or see how we do right now, and, and we will. And the Bible shows us right here in verse 29, he says, Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If, thou, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. And listen, Jesus died on, the cross, died on the cross and rose from the dead. People still don't believe. Still don't believe. 
It is preached across America. It's preached across all the continents that we see on our mission while back in the back. It's preached all over the world that Jesus died for them and He rose from the grave to save them of their sins. And, and thousands are dying every single day, lost, not believing that Jesus rose from the dead. If they won't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, they ain't going to believe anything that's written in here. So what are you saying, preacher? What I want you to do as we close this morning is I want you to know that you know that you're saved. Because the last place you want to go is a place called hell this morning. Why? Because Jesus died for you. You don't have to because Jesus died for you. He loves you. Died on the cross to forgive you of all your sins, to save your soul. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how many sins you committed. The Lord Jesus is reaching out to you this morning and he wants you to be saved. And then we get ready to close. Let me ask you this. What are you going to let stop you from getting to heaven? What is it? What are you going to let stop you from getting to heaven? What are you going to let stop you from accepting Christ as your Savior? Is there anything too big? Is there anything that you're not willing to leave behind? Is there anything that you're not willing uh, to, to settle in your life and reach out to heaven? What's, what's going to stop you this morning? Nothing's going to stop you but you. You. I remember one day I was, I was out... Uh, I was out hiking, and I was going to this, this place. In order to get there, I had to cross. It was supposed to be a creek. It ended up being a wide river like four times in order to get to where I wanted to go. And there were people all along the trail. Did you know that uh, the trail's washed out up there? No, I didn't know that. There's people up there trying to figure out how they can get around. Okay. I continue on my journey. Some more people come by. The, the, the trail's washed out up there. Don't worry about wasting your time to get up there because you can't do it. Okay, thank you. I kept walking. Call me stubborn if you want. So I kept walking and I got to the place where they were talking about. The trail's completely washed out. And I got there and I saw a man and a woman walking around all along the side of the bank trying to find a place to get over. And they couldn't find anywhere to get over. And I'm standing here with my pack on and I'm standing here looking at this river now. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to get across this thing? And the water was coming up to about right here. And it was running through at a decent pace. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? I really want to get over there to see those falls. I really do. How am I going to get over there? Well, everybody else was trying to discourage me from going. Everybody else was saying, just turn around and go back. Everybody else was saying it can't be done. And then I get there and find people trying to figure out how to do it. And God looked at me and he said, you going across? He said, do you want to go? He said, you, you going to the falls, right? And I said, I am. And I looked around for another way. I didn't find another way. And I stood there on the bank. And as he stood there on the bank, and his wife stood there on the bank. And so what did I do? Took my socks off, took my shoes off, rolled up my britches. Went right across. I got to the other side, wiped myself down the best I could, put my socks on, put my shoes on, turned around and looked at him. 
and I walked off. I never did see them on the trail anywhere, come even after me, behind me, or anything. You know what they did? They obviously said, I'm not going, we're done, I'm, I'm going back. I had to end up crossing that same river four times on the way up and I had to cross it four times on the way back. But you know what? I got the reward from it. I got the reward from it, which was amazing. But what I'm trying to get you to see this morning is what's it going to take for you to turn back? How many of you this morning are going to turn away from what God is presenting to you, heaven and all its splendor and glory? So amazing that you can't even begin to even conceive how awesome that it is. And how many of us are going to walk away from it this morning over just something small? I mean, now, if the water was up to here and it was running down through there, you know, like, a, like the Grand Rapids, maybe I would have thought a little different. But when I saw it, I said, this ain't nothing. And I went on a cross, but you know what? There's a lot of people that are going to let small things keep them from getting to heaven today. Small things are going to keep them from getting to heaven. So I'm encouraging you today don't let anything get in your way to get to heaven because if you want to be saved, the Lord Jesus has got his hand stretched out. He's just waiting on you to call his name. And once you do, listen, there ain't nothing going to stop you. Don't matter what it is. You call out to the Lord Jesus, you tell him you want to get saved, you're saved. And it can't nothing stop that. Don't let anything in this world keep you from getting to heaven because it ain't worth it. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your love and grace. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we bow before you. If there's one here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior. I pray, God, that you would speak to their heart and help them to see how important it is that they get saved right now, this moment. As the piano plays, whenever she gets ready, I want you to do business with God, your salvation. Your salvation is between you and God, not between you and somebody else and God. You do business with the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the only way that you're going to get to heaven. Whatever you do, don't walk away from the only hand that can get you there. Whatever you do this morning, don't you walk away from the only person that can get you to heaven. That is Jesus. And as his hand is outstretched this morning, right to your very soul, all you have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and who he is. Accept his forgiveness of your sin by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Put your faith and trust in Him and get saved this morning. Don't walk away from the only one that can get you there. Because I can want you to go, but that's all I can do is want you to go. I can't get you there. Your mom and daddy can want you to go, but they, they can't get you there. Your friends can want you to go, but they can't get you there. Don't pass up the only hand that can get you to heaven this morning. Because you may not get another chance. If you're here today, you're not sure if you're saved. 
Nobody's looking but me and God. But would you just slip your hand up so I can see you? Preacher, I'm not sure if I'm saved. If you're here today and you say, well, I know that I'm not saved. I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. And I want to do that this morning. Nobody's looking but me and the Lord. But would you slip that hand up so I can see you? I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I promise you. Nobody's going to think any different of you. All of us had to come to Jesus. All of us. Don't let the devil sit there and say, well, you know, you'll just be embarrassed in front of everybody and everybody's going to snicker and everybody's going to talk. And No, listen. We all had to come to Jesus. At some point, don't you listen to that mess. Don't you let the devil sit there and turn your heart away from God. Don't pass up on the only hand that can save you this morning. Everyone to the feet and every head bowed and every eye closed as we pray and get ready to dismiss and give you an opportunity to come. If you'd like to come to the altar and pray, it could be that you have some family that's lost. It could be that you have some friends that are lost. If you want to come to the altar and pray, I encourage you to. It could be that you need to be saved. And you come and you tell me, preacher, I want to know how to get to heaven I want to know how to get saved. I encourage you this morning as we understand just how bad hell is to some degree the best that we can here that you pray for those. The rich man that was in hell was praying that his family would never come to this place. you have friends that are lost, if you have loved ones that are lost or you just want to pray for the lost period please pray that they never go to a place like this that there would be someone that would come by and witness to them and talk to them or that God would give you the opportunity to do it yourself instead of us always waiting on somebody else to lead somebody to Christ Ask God to give you the strength to do it yourself. As folks are praying, I encourage you to come. You have no idea how much Jesus can change your life. Just give him that chance. Give the Lord Jesus that opportunity to do things in your life that you never thought possible. Last verse right here. We're going to play one more verse. One more verse. Don't walk away from the only hand that can take you to heaven.
Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I pray the message was a blessing to you. You found a lodging place in your heart. All right. Well, let's be dismissed, and I'll see you back tonight at 545 for our prayer groups and then at 6 o'clock for our evening service tonight. All right. Well, let's be dismissed. Uh, Brother Tommy, would you dismiss us, please?